talking about basement, everybody. How's it going out there on uh, the internet? Hope everybody's having a great Friday and is about to have an incredible weekend. I hope my audio sounds all right. I hope I don't look too shiny. It is uh, sweltering out there. I just raced back from the uh, movie theater and uh, I just saw Sausage Party and I'm going to tell you guys all about it. I figured um, uh, the best way to let you know if you should go and spend your money on that because I had a choice on Wednesday night between seeing uh, Peach Dragon or Sausage Party uh, and I figured... Uh, Sausage Party would be fun to talk about in a live type of setting. I wanted to see both flicks. Uh, I've been having a good time, even with the shitty movies, um, reviewing all, all the big summer movies that have been out. So um, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to... Uh, we sound okay, Bear? Yeah. All right, cool. Awesome. Bear is uh, manning the stations right now. He's checking the chats and uh, making sure that the audio and video and everything sounds good. Blake is on assignment with uh, the one and only uh, Don Fubar, Jose Sanchez uh, in San Francisco. They're getting some good stuff for us uh, from a Ubisoft event that's happening just before they all head off to Gamescom. Uh, Ubisoft I'm talking about. EP can't be at Gamescom uh, this year, unfortunately. Uh, but um, Bear and I are here to uh, distill some information and let you guys know about this absolutely crazy movie. Is it okay if I swear a little bit? Because this movie isn't, it's fucking insane. It's absolutely crazy insane. I'm talking about Sausage Party. This is the uh, the new animated movie uh, from Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg and uh, Jonah Hill. I'm pretty sure, and there's probably another name or two involved in the uh, the creation of this. I think they get the story credit, though. And I think it was uh, a big uh, bong session. I think that's probably how this all came together. They got completely baked. And uh, they looked around at all the food, all the munchies that they had on their table. It was probably on a lot of a, a, a big movie studio somewhere. Maybe Sony, who financed this movie. Um, maybe they got wasted with the, with the executives. Anyways, uh, food comes to life in this crazy movie. And uh, we get to follow uh, the story of uh, Frank, a hot dog, played by Seth Rogen. And um, uh, Brenda, a bun, played by Kristen Wiig. They are uh, star-crossed lovers who have yet to leave their packaging and consummate their relationship with the hot dog going in the bun. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, so that, that is the, uh, the sort of underlying sexual tension that we get right from the beginning. Um, but there are lots of other crazy, incredible characters in this thing. And this is a, an utterly audacious, ridiculous, singular... Uh, bout of insanity this movie there is nothing like this film I mean it maybe in the 70s maybe you know like the, the Freak Brothers and Fritz the Cat and stuff like that maybe there were some of these sort of uh, avant-garde adult type uh, animated pictures back then they were probably x-rated back then but this this is you you will not believe that a studio paid this much money to make this much crazy um, and that's why I think everybody should go see it. And I'm going to preface this whole conversation just about getting out to go see this movie because we have to support originality like this and, uh, and the balls that Sony has to, uh, you know, I mean, Seth Rogen and Jonah Hill and uh, James Franco and Kristen Wiig, they're all kind of sure bets. They, you know, constantly deliver. Maybe not so much with Ghostbusters, ooh, cheap shot, but the, they're um, constantly delivering comedies that make tons of money. So maybe from that sort of concept, the idea of backing them on this crazy animated idea wasn't that insane. 
But animated movies, as we all know from every Pixar documentary that we've watched, take a long time and they take a lot of money. But somehow they got the money to get this thing together. And I think one of the equations, and it's so funny, uh, I think one of the equations in the success of this movie and probably the budget of this movie is that uh, Seth Rogen and and team worked with a company out of Vancouver called Nitrogen Studios, who actually used to be just down the hall from uh, from Greedy Productions, from EP Media. So I know a bunch of those guys. And, of course, they work in top-secret sort of, you know, walled-off kinds of ways all the time. They, they usually do children's animation like uh, Thomas the Tank Engine. But I, I think... You know, and Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg are from Vancouver, so they must have had some friends or whatever. But I feel like they were able to work their magic kind of in solitude or away from, you know, Hollywood expanse and Hollywood machinery in Vancouver building this completely insane movie. So you have, uh, you know, it's the movie starts off with this crazy Esther Williams uh, song and dance routine. It's a full-on musical number. Everybody's singing, and, and there's tons of swearing. And, uh, you know, there's... Uh, I, I, the, the one thing about this movie that is just so crazy and over the top is that, the, you know, you walk into a supermarket and you see products that are from every part of the world. So that multinational kind of quality and the, the, uh, the sort of uh, stereotypes of... Uh, where some of this food comes from all come into play in the characterization. And some of it is just a little too over the top and, you know, kind of insulting, but it's also part of, like, we actually have, uh, I think, German mustard or something like that doing the Heil Hitler salute and stuff like that. And then we've got a uh, bagel and uh, some flatbread uh, that rec- sort of representing the uh, Palestinian and uh, the Jewish uh, uh, conflict uh, and in the, and the Israeli conflict, not getting along in there. There's lots of stuff like that all the way through it. We've got uh, uh, drunken tequila walking, a uh, drunken tequila bottle walking around. We've got a, a fire water thing, and every time anybody mentions fire wire, fire water, which is uh, played by Bill Hader, he plays this uh, this hundred proof booze or whatever. Uh, there's an eagle cry, and he's he's supposed to be playing like a, a Native American in this thing. So there's lots of stereotypes, lots of racial stereotypes th- all the way strung through this thing, and it's you know uncomfortable, which I think is part of the success that uh, uh, Seth Rogen always has. He really kind of plays with how comfortable you're going to be with some of this uh, material, and he tries to push the edge and push the envelope. There's a lot of sexual, uh, you know overtones all the way through this a lot of homosexual overtones all the way through this it's just insane that we're seeing all of this kind of uh you know uh cultural discussion and uh you know just poking fun and making light of all of these these uh foibles that humans have with food and the big enemy in this movie actually i don't want to i don't want to spoil that because you want to go and see that um the one thing that i will say is that um Gum is a standout character in this movie. It's incredible. The way that they present gum into this movie is something that you will never forget and will always be talking about. Uh, the ending's a little weird and weak. It's, I, I think, probably a big challenge to end a movie uh, about talking food. And, you know, like there are, there are drug-fueled fights. There are song and dance numbers. There's uh, full-on sexual food intercourse all the way through this thing. Uh, the food all thinks that 
the humans are gods and they're going to take care of them until they start to discover some stuff. And those are my favorite moments in this movie, by the way, when the food starts getting crushed and killed and eaten and ripped apart and stabbed. And I sound so psychotic, but it was just so visceral and so, uh, you know, playing off of horror movie tropes and lots of Saving Private Ryan kind of uh, uh, references and stuff like that in this. I was howling. And I saw a noon show because I saw it with, with an audience. So it wasn't packed. Um, it was a nice escape from the heat, but I have a feeling that tonight it's going to be packed and all weekend long it's going to be packed. I have a feeling it's going to be successful, even though people have never seen anything like this and they're going to have to kind of overcome what they're used to out of an animated thing. This is like taking The Simpsons or Family Guy or something like that and just juicing it and just saying, okay, we have no limitations. You know, we can go anywhere that we want here with this. Uh, Edward Norton is hilarious in this thing as well, which is a nice surprise. But... Uh, great movie i'm gonna give it an 8.5 out of 10 and i think you guys should definitely go and see sausage party all right okay all right is that better okay so uh that was my review my spiel uh, i don't think i've ever done a live movie review before so i hope that was okay um but uh uh, I, I wanted. I haven't connected with anybody uh, in Vic's basement for a while. I've been, you know, hitting the road quite a bit. I've been. This has been a crazy summer. I mean, with E3, and then there was. Uh, there's been events, and there's been Comic Con. I've been doing a little vacationing. I went camping. That's when Bear uh, so gracefully stepped in and uh, hosted the rundown for me. I was a big, big uh, fan of that day. That was so cool to watch. He's been kicking ass over here, by the way, and so has uh, so has Blake. Both of these guys have just been phenomenal to be working with and jose's been killing it on the road um but i figured you know let's let's catch up if you guys have any questions for me um, sh send them out on the chats we're watching both youtube and twitch if you guys want to know anything you want to know why i'm sweating profusely right now uh you go ahead hit me up and i'll answer them um anything thank you Jake. any questions oh uh nothing from the chat so far okay Okay, shotgun at me. Um, and the, the other thing that I'm going to do is I have been so busy. Um, I bought this at Comic-Con. This is, uh, and, you know, this week's kind of a cool week because uh, uh, my friend uh, Ryan Panagos, who is, uh, what is he, he's, he's Captain M or something? I forget. I know him as Ryan now. But uh, he, he is one of the, you know, sort of head communication guys, and he, he, he hosts that Marvel uh, YouTube show, which you should watch, by the way. He, he's been tweeting about the unveiling of the Captain America 75th uh, anniversary statue, which was at Comic-Con, but they set it up in Brooklyn, which is crazy and so cool, because Cap, of course, Steve Rogers is a kid from Brooklyn. Um, that happened this week. I bought this at Comic-Con. It is uh, a 75th anniversary Comic-Con exclusive uh, Mezco figure, part of their 112 line, and I haven't even touched it. I got it uh, back to the basement, and it's, it's just been sitting there, and I figured, why don't I open it up, and I'll show you guys what's inside. If you guys watched my uh, top 10 toys from Comic-Con uh, video that we put together, uh, I think Bear cut that. Good job, Bear. Uh, <laughs> Um, we, uh, I, I went crazy for these 112 figures. They did an amazing job. Okay, so you get the, uh, the Captain America. This is all tin, by the way, so this will hold uh, something cool later on. Uh, okay, uh, and then we've got Steve Rogers inside the machinery, and that's going to turn him into a super soldier. We'll take that out. 
It's great packaging. Okay, let's take that out. Yes, I'm one of those guys that opens all of his toys. Live for today. Why just keep everything in a box? How is that enjoying your toys if everything's in a box, right? I don't want to rip anything here, though. This is all taped on, so I want to be very careful with this stuff. Okay. I know what's going to live in this tin can. All of this packaging is going to live in this tin can. Okay, so here is... Oh, I'll hold that up. Trying not to rip it. Trying not to rip it. Don't rip. Don't rip. Oh, so much tape. It's taped all over the damn place. Okay, there we go. All right. So in there you get, uh, and it's probably super shiny, but it's not falling out. Uh, the Captain America. Now, the cool thing about these 112 figures is they have cloth costumes, so they're kind of like uh, a mini hot toy, which is awesome. You get different faces. Uh, of course, he comes with uh, the shield and also a knife and some grenades and some stuff to stick on his utility belt. A bunch of different hand uh, poses that you can stick on there. And it looks like a base of some kind. Now, last year I bought, the, and I think I did a uh, toy table um, on the 112 Dark Knight Returns Batman. I actually have two of them. Uh, one of them's way over there, but they're, uh, oh, one of them's right there. I don't know if you can see either of them. I love them. They're such fantastic figures, and this is my, uh, my new baby. This is my Captain America. It's probably super out of focus. It's the old traditional cap, which is kind of a uh, cap outfit, which is kind of fitting for a 75th anniversary. But uh, yeah, just great, great design, great costume. I doubt it'll stand up. Ah, oh, it's standing up. Look at that. That's amazing. And you can see it on screen. Cool. Very cool. So there you go. I don't know how you put the shield on. I want to put the shield on the, on the guy. I think you need to have a special hand. I, I think I'll have to do that later. I don't want to bore you guys with putting a different hand on my Captain America. Let's see if there's anything on, underneath this. Um, just the uh, the grapple arm. Oh, cool. And then you get uh, some kind of rigging so you can stick the shield on his back, I think. Which is cool. So, Sausage Party... One other thing I want to say about that, it is, um, it's almost like the perfect example of why uh, marijuana needs to be legalized so that more crazy original ideas like that can happen because <laughs> I'm totally positive that uh, people were super high when that the whole thing came together. Oh, I guess right with that, you can stick the, uh, you can stick his foot in or that you can put him in a pose and have him fly through the air. They thought of everything. This is so cool. And I guess that goes in. Right. Okay, I'll play with my toy later on in privacy. Uh, but that's it. That's my toy. Um, anybody got any questions? Yes. Uh, we have a question from Sam Bam, 85 West. What are your top three superhero movies? Top three superhero movies from Sam. Sam, Sam tell uh, me the game Sam here. Bam, Sam Bam 85 asks top three superhero movies. Um, oh, man. Uh, I think Superman the movie still, the 1978 Richard Donner movie, is still my favorite because it kind of showed the world that they could treat these properties care, you know, with care and properly. And um, 
Uh, it was a huge influence on me. It's my favorite John Williams score. I think that's still number one for me. I think number two is The Dark Knight, the second Christopher Nolan movie. Um, you know, it's it just littered with so much awesome. I loved Bale as as Batman. I liked his crazy voice. It didn't really ever bother me. It got a little easy to make fun of, but I always thought he, you know, physically and emotionally, uh, he did a good job. Maybe he wasn't, you know, as imposing as Ben Affleck is. I think Ben Affleck kind of fits that suit and that that uh, that super buff physicality really well, but nothing he's done yet has come close to what Christian Bale did in uh, The Dark Knight. And of course, Heath Ledger was incredible as the Joker. Uh, and then I, the third one, I guess it's going to be, um, I guess it's The Winter Soldier. I think that's my favorite of the three Captain America movies so far. I've always been a fan of Cap, and he's, uh, he's kind of like the Marvel Superman in a way, you know, that Dudley Do-Right that's hard to get right. Um, but I think Marvel kind of nailed the tone with Chris Evans, and I can't imagine anybody else playing that character just like I can't imagine anybody else playing uh, Tony Stark other than uh, Robert Downey Jr. Um, or Hugh Jackman now playing uh, Wolverine, even though the Wolverine movies have been all over the place and the X-Men movies have been all over the place. There's been a lot of good ones. I think, though, if I had to pick three, those are probably my three. And I love the Avengers, too, man. Yeah, you know what? I have to say the first Avengers. So it's going to be... Uh, that's a good question because there's so many. Uh, Superman, Dark Knight, First Avengers. Uh, I have another great question from yeah. Swan Gore who says, uh, I have a date tomorrow night. Is Sausage Party a good date movie? Uh, Sausage Party is a great date movie. And uh, you listen, if you love a movie like Sausage Party and your date does not love a movie like Sausage Party, there's going to be trouble in your relationship. So it is a great date movie. It's also a great... Um, a uh, psychological test and a comedic test for your, uh, you know, partner to be. Uh, so, it, you know, you, you can learn a lot about somebody going to see a movie like that. I think uh, if they dig it and are laughing and are having fun and are, are fully engaged, uh, you got a winner there. I know my wife would love this movie, and I, I, we almost went together to this one today, but it didn't work out because she's got other things to do. But uh, I, I know she would love it. So go if you can find somebody to take... Have a great time with that one. Um, this is a, a funny question. Yeah. <laughs> From uh, Ashton Benz, who just wants to know your thoughts on weed and marijuana, I guess. Ashton Benz, yeah. thoughts on weed? I, I, uh, I'm not a big stoner. I actually gave up weed when I was in high school. I was a good long-distance runner. I was kind of uh, not, like, taking it super serious. I wasn't a track or anything like that, but I was, you know, I was playing uh, a lot of floor hockey, and I was on the basketball team, and, and uh uh, in gym class, I would always come in first out of everybody in my class when I was uh, uh, doing these long-distance runs. And I got kind of the respect of everybody for being this, this guy that was good, had good endurance for this stuff. Except when I started to smoke weed a little too much. I was, you know, every, I was dabbling, having it every month or so, you know, at parties or whatever. And then uh, uh, every weekend I was getting stoned uh, with all my buds and... Uh, I sound like such a hoser, uh, but uh, uh, I noticed that it was harder to run, and I started to come in second place. And then I said, "Okay, well, listen, man, I'm too young to have this this uh, this smoke, because I think it's mostly the smoke inhalation um, affect me physically, physiologically, like this." I had to, uh, and I made the choice, and I just sort of backed away. And my friends thought I was crazy, and 
it was it, you know because it's a big attraction when you're going to concerts and things like that to to get high but the way i feel about it now is that uh, we spent way too much time um making marijuana a drug to go and fight against and i think that there are way too many benefits that are starting to come out into the world about uh, uh cannabis um you know as it can be used uh for a remedy for a whole bunch of things or some kind of help for a whole bunch of things and we've we've demonized pot for so long and this is totally not i didn't mean this to be some big sort of you know uh, uh political kind of speech or spiel about this but we've demonized pot for so long and we've lifted up the uh the social benefits of getting uh drunk and it's clear that getting drunk too much and you know get, having too much booze is going to be way more harmful in a life than having uh too much weed i don't think you should have too much of anything but uh weed certainly shouldn't be put in the same category as cocaine or heroin or you know bath salts or any of the other harder things that are out there that are phenylene or whatever it's called uh you know i think weed is is not too bad uh, as long as you don't overdo it like you don't overdo anything and there honestly might be some great benefits to weed as well and i think that uh, uh the world should start sort of exploring that a little bit more so good good question uh here's a question from our youtube audience yep uh, from jean nicholas charis mm-hmm I think it's Charay. He must be from uh, from Quebec, I would imagine. There you go. Okay. You know better than I do. So the question is, are you excited for uh, Deus Ex Mankind Divided? Got my code today. I probably can't even say that. But, uh, yeah, that's that's my next week. You know, this week has been my No Man's Sky week. And we'll talk about that in a a little bit. But, yeah, I'm incredibly excited about Mankind Divided. I I was at an event in San Francisco. We shot interviews there and and, uh, posted them on our site already or on uh, YouTube and Facebook. And uh, the games that we played, Go and uh, Mankind Divided, awesome but we had power outages that were happening there were brownouts happening in that neighborhood and the power would we'd get so far into the game and then everything would would stop and everybody would be going oh and then we'd start again and then it was comedic it was and a tragic for all of the the fine people from Inos Montreal and from uh, Square Enix that had put this whole thing together and all all kinds of you know, many people from all over the world were there to appreciate the game that day. It was a it was a full on playthrough, and we couldn't get anywhere because of these stupid power outages. Uh, but what I've played so far, I've really dug. It's just one of those cerebral, intelligent, pertinent, um, uh, timely kinds of experiences. And the uh, y- you know, I thought the first game the the first game that um, uh, Idos Montreal did was such a great surprise that was one of the best games of that that year i think it was 2011 loved it um and uh just awesome storytelling the technology that they employ within the fiction of the game is just so damn cool um i do feel like they're going for a wider audience this time they want to make this an even bigger success and there's a lot of tendrils out there so that's my only concern is that maybe it's it's overreaching sort of the core you know principles of what made Deus Ex the you know the best of Deus Ex so successful with that audience I was part of um but we'll see I'm going to find out very soon and uh, I'll have a review for you as soon as I can here's a uh something I've always wanted to know Vic okay it comes again from Ashton Benz 
Why did I get rid of the goatee? Uh, actually, I was starting to get gray in the goatee. And um, so that was disconcerting. Just wait till you start getting gray that starts popping up on your on your face or your hair. Uh, that's that's always disconcerting. But uh, it, it was happening so quickly that I was starting to color it in to sort of keep that sort of same uh, look across a season of uh, EP and Judgment Day, I guess would have been back in the day, uh, and reviews. Uh, and then I just said, this is stupid, man. I'm coloring in my damn gray bits. I've got to just cut this thing off. And I honestly, I felt great to cut it off. <laughs> I don't miss it. <laughs> uh, okay, so we talked about the three favorite superhero movies. Mm -hmm. Now Ninja Warrior Code Black Snow, what are your three favorite superhero video games of all time? Ooh, oh, that's easy. Yeah, it's all the Arkham games. Yeah. There's nothing that comes close. I mean, uh, they're my fa it's my favorite franchise. It's my f those are my favorite games. They, um, uh, you know, I called Arkham Asylum. When that game came out, that was my, at E3, I said, this is my game of the year. This is going to be my game of the year. And I, I'm one of the E3 critics. Thank you, Jeff Keighley. Um, and, and so I get to go to E3 and check out a lot of stuff and play things and then kind of vote on it but I was talking with my peers about Arkham Asylum and how it, I mean everybody knew it was impressive but I I knew that it was like next level impressive mostly because of the curse of Batman I mean I'd been playing every Batman game since uh, uh, I don't think there was an Atari 2000 game but certainly the NES days and the Genesis games and some of them care uh, and then we got, we got to actually do the making of that game, the Arkham Asylum game. So we traveled to the studio, and I got to spend some real time with the developers and stuff. So I could see that this was going to be incredibly special. But even at that E3, before we got the gig to do any of the making of stuff, I knew that this was going to be phenomenal. And it was. It was my favorite game of that year. And uh, City just, you know, took all... And, and what was so smart about Asylum and why I think it's my, my favorite game out of this series and favorite superhero game is that it wasn't an overreach. It was contained. Um, it was a great, effective kind of homage and, and uh, really smart sort of way to borrow from excellent titles like Metal Gear Solid or Metroid or whatever. Um, but you felt like this character and you felt like you were outsmarting the villains and, and uh, the, you know, the technology and the production values, just out of this world. City, of course, uh, it took that, blew it out, improved on it, and everybody likes to dog on that Batmobile in Arkham Knight, but you know Arkham Knight's got so much content in there, and it's the best Batman performance, and Mark Hamill came back, spoiler alert, uh, for some excellent work in there too, and um, you get ton, you get like the city experience, and then you also get, I think, if not the best looking Batmobile, definitely one of the best Batmobiles. I've got a Batmo that Batmobile sitting up there, actually. That, that was another con exclusive. I'm going to grab it. One sec. I don't want to bust anything. Uh, I've probably showed this off in a Vic's basement or two before. But this was the... Uh, oh, it's a little dusty. Uh, this, was, this was the Arkham Knight Batmobile. This was a... And that blew me, out, blew me away, too, is that they announced it at E3 in uh, 2014. Is that when Arkham Knight came out, or was it last year? Oh, it came out last year. It was delayed. But they announced it in 2014 at, at uh, well, they, they, no, what they did, they, they had already announced the game. We knew it was coming, but the Batmobile was unveiled at E3 of 2014, 
and they had one on the floor. And then you went to Comic-Con, and Mattel was already selling a Comic-Con-exclusive Batmobile that transformed and does all this cool stuff. And I haven't actually played with this in a long time, but it's uh, just insane. Such a great car. Just looks awesome. And it's very noisy. And it would bug the hell out of Scott every time I started to mess around with this thing. But I love it. So, yeah, Arkham games win. But I also love uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance and X-Men Legends. Um... The Spider-Man games, the Shattered Dimension was a great surprise, but I loved Spider-Man 2 from Treyarch, and even the uh, Neversoft PlayStation 1 Spider-Man was pretty fun. It's been, been quite a few good superhero games. I remember the Freedom Force games, too. I love those games. Uh, I think that's it for, for uh, questions. Okay. For the chat. I mean, I have a question for you, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you had a recent interview with uh, Kevin Conroy and uh, yeah. a lot of Yes. After Mark Hamill and Kevin Conroy pass over the torch, yeah. who do you think uh, should, should take it next? Oh, for uh, voice actors? Yeah. For uh, Bear is asking what voice actors should take over Batman and Joker now that, uh, uh, you know, Conroy and Mark Hamill probably won't keep doing it over and over. That might have been Mark Hamill's last kick at uh, the Joker, which is sad to say. Um, but uh, who should take it over? Uh, you know, Troy Baker does a pretty mean Joker, but his is kind of an impression of Mark Hamill's, uh, but it's very good. Um, and I actually thought that uh, Roger Craig Smith did a really good Batman in Arkham Origins. Um, I think they were both super solid. Um, I've liked Diedrich Baker, who did the Batman in Batman Brave and the Bold. Um, uh, who else? Yeah, I. Peter Weller was a weird choice for the Dark Knight Returns movie, but it actually kind of worked. It was just a little flat, I felt. Um, I guess I like Diedrich Baker. I think he's got a really good, you know, he he, he did it in Brave and the Bull, but he also did it in other places too. And I think I think he's really solid. He used to be on that uh, Drew Carey show. He's kind of a. Uh, an interesting character actor, but he's, he does a, a pretty solid Batman. What does the chat say? Do they have choices? Um, Are they talking about any Batman? I think he's talking about a lot of Batman stuff, but there's uh, another question by Ashton Ben. Yeah. Enjoying No Man's Sky repetitiveness. Okay, No Man's Sky, yes. I knew uh, there would be people wanting to talk about this thing. It is repetitive, um, but I also find it un unbelievably uh hypnotic and engrossing and hard to walk away from uh, I'm still in the state of it being super mysterious so I've put in maybe I don't know 15 hours so far um, and there is a lot of resource management there is a lot of you know hunting and gathering and and uh, using these items to to sort of run this engine or you know power this thing or build this thing uh, and that can get a little bit tedious I think but what I've discovered is that if you work through that initial kind of like work that you got to do to kind of keep your machine running, it's, it just starts to overcome you. And it just you really start to feel enveloped by this uh, universe that Hello Games has created for us. And then suddenly you start to have a little bit more power and freedom with being able to start exploring. And I've found a couple of crash ships and taken them over and rebuilt them and powered them back up. 
started to explore alien uh, races and encountered these super intelligent sort of android-like characters that have um, you know, given me some cool new augmentations. And then I've gone to these alien monoliths and they've given me some uh, you know, new languages and, or new words for uh, languages that I'm learning as I'm I, you know, diving deeper into the game. I've been uh, uh, you know, encountering, I, one of the characters that I met, um, I think I'm engaged to marry that character, one of the alien characters. We got into a, a little back and forth and every one of those uh, conversations that you have is a, kind of a multiple choice, uh, sort of you know, tree-limbed kind of response. And sometimes you, you can figure out what you have to say in order to get something from them. And sometimes it's just a total choice, maybe because you haven't learned enough words of that particular language. Uh, but or it's a total guess. Um, and I took a guess, and they the alien liked my answer, and then uh, I was engaged to get married to this thing. So I, I I don't know what that means. I but the thing that I like about this game is that I, I don't fully understand where this is all going to go yet, and I love that. I love the the mystery of it. So yes, it it is repetitious, and yes, there's some recycled art, and yes, you're you know mining and drilling and and, uh, you know, tweaking and improving your equipment on a sort of ongoing regular basis. But, I mean, it's, it just feels enormous and it feels uh, completely, I, I don't know, I, I find it, I find it satisfying. I find like I can just sort of trip out to it and, and get lost in it and, and, uh, and then I, I really want to figure out where I'm going to go and what, I, you know, where am I going to warp to next? And it becomes like this obsession. And the other day I had to go and uh, I had to catch a screening and I was, I was, it was so difficult to stop. I mean, I was playing right till the very, very last second. I did not want to put it down. I was having a great time. And then I, I noticed when I came back to the game, there is that sort of, there's an effort to get back to that groove. You know, you got to get past that. Oh, yeah, shit, my spaceship doesn't take off anymore because I've ran out of fuel. And, oh, yeah, I got to go over there. Oh, yeah, okay, I fixed my, my launch drive, but I need my, my uh, secondary engines. And then, oh, I don't have any fuel for my... So there is a little bit of that. But once, once you kind of overcome some of that stuff and you recognize that, oh, yeah, you can go to these different merchants, you can buy this stuff, or you can trade this stuff with other aliens that you meet on the uh, different space stations and I got an atlas card the other day so I was able to open up more doors and then you, you know you get into other areas and you think oh there's atlas three cards that I can go out and get now too so yeah repetitious but also it's starting to branch out and flower out into something uh, hypnotic and wonderful for me but you know let us know in the chat or the comments below what you think of the game I think I'll probably be able to give at least my first blush review on uh, on Monday. That's my hope is uh, I'll be able to shoot it in the morning and we'll and we'll post it on Monday. Hey, Japan wants to know in No Man's Sky, are you uh, are you following a path or are you just wandering wherever you want right now? I am following some of the path. So every once in a while, you get these little messages on the bottom of your screen that sort of hint that there is a. A, uh, a mystery to solve if you go to your galactic map and start warping to different areas. Um, so I've been chasing down the Atlas monoliths, um, but somebody just pointed me in the direction of, of a black hole. So I haven't gone to the black hole or uh, seen what happens when you do, but uh, 
Uh, I do spend a lot of time, like my objective is over there on the planet. Oh, but look, there's all these question marks all over. Right, let me land here. Let me go into there. Let's see. And, you know, every time I've been gifted with a, um, a new augmentation for my backpack, which is always full, which does suck, you do feel like, why am I constantly being limited with, with uh, my resources here? And I've got to juggle all of this inventory around all the time. Uh, but every time I get an augmentation so I can carry more crap, I love it. I light up. And every time I get given some more slots with a brand new multi-tool, I think it's amazing. I haven't paid. I haven't made enough money. I just realized, them, you know, my one of my playthroughs not too long ago that you can start scanning everything and uploading all that information for credits, which is kind of like uh, Beyond Good and Evil, which, uh, you know, or Pokemon Snap, which I think is pretty fun. Uh, I hadn't realized that that's a good way to start earning some credits, but I haven't made enough money so I could buy a cool ship from one of these aliens that I encounter on. Uh, so that's a new goal for me. And that's, that's kind of the thing with this game is that th there, are, there are sort of overarching goals and things that you want to do that are in the narrative of the game, but there are also these little individual goals um, that you set for yourself and you kind of define your experience on your own terms. And I just think, you know, like M Minecraft launched with not a tremendous amount of direction or content that sort of guided you into that universe. And then look where it got us, you know? And I feel like No Man's Sky is like Minecraft on, on steroids. My, it's Minecraft uh, on a, you know, ad infinitum with these, uh, th these different worlds. And already what you can do is, you know, explore a giant planet, land on all these bases, level up your instruments, uh, you know, encounter alien races. Uh, see all the wildlife, go underwater, go into K, all of that stuff, then jump into your ship, fly up, go into space stations, drop, you know, blast away at asteroids, land on some other Earth seamlessly. Already that's amazing, but if they start adding the ability to create homesteads and craft your own bases and create your own space station and then, you know, true multiplayer extensions, like, and they can. I mean, that's the thing, right? I don't think they said, well, No Man's Sky is this closed deal and that's all we're going to do i think they've given us a universe and they're going to just keep filling it with lots of cool things and uh i'm impressed as hell at what they've already delivered but that's me i don't know you might find it just boring um this comes up from uh, 905 justin mm -hmm. do you think uh, no man's sky was I mean, I think, I think it promises most of what it delivers. I mean, what we've seen out of all the videos and the messaging and the interviews is that you would be on a planet, you could be one of 18 trillion planets or whatever, and um, you could name it and found it and claim it and, and then jump into your ship and fly through space, land on some other planet. That's basically most of what the story has been with the game, and I think they have hit those notes we haven't been able to do that so seamlessly in uh, a console-like uh, offering in the video game space before, you know? I mean, I think that there's been um, uh, great space games in the past, like going back to Star Raiders on the Atari 2600 and the computers and, and uh, you know, uh, uh, the X-Wing series and the Wing Commander series. You know, Star Citizen is, is promising all of this stuff. There's a lot of speculation about the legitimacy of the claims on that game, so we'll see how that one all comes together. Um, you know, Elite Dangerous, I think, has been 
expanding, doing a lot of what I just said about uh, adding nodes and features and stuff over time. But, you know, when you sit down to play Elite Dangerous, which is arguably just as uh, impressive technically as, as No Man's Sky is, it's probably made with a lot more people, um, it's also way more cumbersome and way more um, overwhelming to jump into and play than... And I think that's an, a tremendous achievement with No Man's Sky is how easy it is to, to play that game, uh, you, you know, and do so much, even if you feel like you're doing a lot of the same things over and over again. But we just we haven't done too many of the things that No Man's Sky allows you to do ever before, you know. Imagine if we're going to be getting into uh, full-on... Like like space battles where we, we we jointly colonize planets and band together with different uh, factions and and then we fight for territory. I mean, I, all of that stuff. I, I, you know, I'm totally hypothesizing here and speculating, but all of that stuff seems totally achievable when you have a technology that seems to run as well as it does. Even if there are bugs and glitches and stuff, it's still really goddamn impressive. When are we going to see Tommy again? Uh, I'll reach out to him again soon. Absolutely. I miss the guy. I'd love to review something with him. Um, we are going to be, you know, going gangbusters into the into the holiday season and, and producing a lot more content. I'm definitely going to be reaching out to uh, to have a lot of guests on Vic's Basement again. Um, and, uh, yeah, we've got a lot of cool content, a lot of cool games. Um some great movies still to look forward to this year. I hope everybody's caught that Rogue One trailer. It's absolutely phenomenal. Uh, you know, so I, I we, we will see friends and familiar faces on the road. You're going to see friends and familiar faces in uh, this programming. Uh, and I'll definitely have some guests on, uh, on Vic's Basement. I want to do another studio visit with somebody as well. Somebody actually will come down here like we had uh, uh, with... Um, uh, Firewatch uh, with Jens. That was awesome. Um, and I want to do that again. So uh, we've just been busy. So thank you for your patience and waiting for more live streams and live, live stuff like this. I'll be streaming more games too. Um, and I'm still talking with people about uh, potential distribution uh, extensions and stuff like that. So, you know, stay tuned. There's still lots of good things cooking and uh, the business never gets boring. And there's there's new things to talk about every single day. I, pretty soon we're going to be playing with 4K gaming systems. It's ridiculous. You mentioned a little bit uh, just about the Rogue One trailer. Now Hunter Seaborn from Twitch wants to know what do you think of the trailer. Well, elaborate a little bit more on it. Oh, on Rogue One, uh, I think it's it's exactly what Star Wars needs. You know, like it's it it, it deviates kind of like the Star Wars novels did. You know, and still do. Um, into this other fiction, into this other viewpoint, another fact, you know, because obviously when they introduced Vader, he was an om omnipresent demonic evil force that had scared uh, an entire galaxy. And we only got a kind of, we only got this siloed story of, of a family, really, and, the, and the, the loved ones around that family with the main Star Wars movies, which are great, they're phenomenal. Um, but I feel like now that we can go off in these different tangents, it's really going to just flesh out that universe in some tremendous ways. And, you know, like there's a production 
pedigree and a production polish on the alien design and the droid designs and the uh, character designs and the costumes. I, I don't know what it is, man. Like, I, uh, you guys saw, some of you probably saw my review of Star Trek Beyond, and, and I feel like, and I, at the movie today, it's ironic, at the movie today, I watched uh, the, you know, they always do these coming attraction video pieces in there, but they were still running uh, interview bits on Star Trek Beyond. They had Justin Lin come up there, uh, the director of the movie, and he said, I love these characters, and, and uh, you know, we think that tr Star Trek fans are going to love this, and even if you're not a Star Trek fan, you're going to love this. And, I, you know, I feel like that's what Star Trek's problem is, is that they know that there are people that aren't Star Trek fans, and so they always kind of undermine their true value by trying to appeal and appease an audience that may or may not care. And then it makes Star Trek feel like it wants to, especially this current Star Trek, wants to be Star Wars. And, I, you know, I don't mean to offend any Star Trek fans out there, but Star Trek, I think, for me, exists on a, on a much more cerebral, much more uh, utopia-like um, kind of level at, that's at when it, where it's at its best you know where it, it paints a picture of a future of harmony and then maybe there's some disruptive stuff in there but it doesn't just evolve into a fight and a, a big explosion thing at the end Star Wars I don't think has to ever apologize or concede or you know say ever that we're making this for fans of Star Wars and fans who might not or people that may not be fans because Everybody's a fan of Star Wars, and it, there's a legitimacy and an authenticity and a set of rules and a and an awareness of uh, you know the importance of the fiction. With every piece of Star Wars, it doesn't always work. It's not always good, but there there's this adherence to uh, authenticity around Star Wars that doesn't waver that often. And uh, so I'm excited to see now that they're going to expand this cinematically you know uh, we've had great animated work we've had great comics we've had great um, uh, books uh, and now we're going to see cinematically and this is an important movie and I know that everybody at Disney is just you know biting their nails um, but I mean look at these trailers both of them have been phenomenal uh, there's some good good people behind the scenes working on them all the actors they cast are great uh, you know I love that Felicity Jones is the lead I I, you know, Forrest Whitaker has this kind of sage, spiritual kind of quality to him and everything that he does, he's going to be great in that role. I don't even know what the character's name is, but that new menacing droid looks awesome. The new ships that they have in there, the Darth Vader <laughs> breathing at the end, chills. Yeah, I'm psyched. Great question here from A Japan. Yes. Vic, which reveal are you more excited for? Mm. Nintendo NX or the PS Oh, the NX, 100%. I, I think uh, PlayStation's Neo is going to be awesome and fun and a great extension to what we already have, but they're certainly not going to undermine the value of the current PlayStation 4 ecosystem or that user base, whereas the NX is uh, Nintendo's probable last kick at making hardware that moves the needle. Um, I think that they are learning quickly the power of their franchises ported to other platforms and how much that could be beneficial for them as a company and as a, a public company. Um, and they recognize the changing nature, especially now with Pokemon Go, uh, the changing nature of consumption in the video game space. 
And so um, I think they're trying to, you know, no pun intended, meet gamers in the middle with this new machine. We'll find out exactly how and what it is soon. Um, but if if it doesn't, if it fails to really connect in a major, major way, I think that, that shareholders are going to wonder why not just go all the way into this mobile partnership space. And, uh, you know, I don't necessarily want that to happen at all. I want the NX to be incredible and I want us all to kind of rally around it and get excited for it. But that's why I'm excited to see what their plan is, you know, because this could change everything for the way that Nintendo does business. And you know what? I mean, even if they go away from hardware for a while, if, if they decide that the, the NX isn't a hit, let's say hypothetically it, it doesn't connect, uh, and they start to just, you know, release their material in different ways and different platforms, which would be incredibly exciting, they could always come back down the road and get back into hardware again down the road. You know, this is a company that you never count out. You never, un, you know, you never, you never suggest they have lost their way. Um, you know, it's a, it's a, an incredible company. They're they're totally into experimentation and trying different things and playing by their own rules and and uh, they really have made valuable, valuable characters, you know, and we're going to see them in a lot more interesting ways going forward. And, uh, you know, as long as all of those are crafted with legitimacy and authenticity, this Pokemon Go thing, man, it's crazy. I mean, I was watching, a, I was at a park the other day with my family and there were lots of um, lure spots, lots of Pokemon uh, Pokestations, whatever they're called. And, uh, people were just sitting on benches and there were literally 20 different people uh, of every age range. So, you know, young kids with uh, with their, like a young boy with his father, there was a young couple, there was a middle-aged dude, there was, uh, I think, a you know, like, couple of grandparents, um, and there was me, and we were all just collecting all of these things. And I, it's like, what game has done that? Like that. And if if it's been a game that has done that like that, it's probably had a Nintendo brand on it. And I don't know, man. That's that's uh, remarkable, remarkable stuff, you know. And Pokemon Go isn't the greatest game, but it's an amazing experiment, and it's a it's an amazing showcase at how a game or gamification or AR or or this collection sort of uh, mechanic can bring millions and millions and millions of people together to do some really weird things running around outside flicking pokeballs at, at invisible creatures crazy John Nick Glass wants to add to the Nintendo NX question with, yeah uh, what's your insight of you know Nintendo potentially bringing back cartridges and uh, what do you think the price at launch will be set well I think if they're doing cartridges they're probably making it a portable machine because it doesn't really make sense to slap a disc in and walk around with it. Um, I think that the pricing will probably be, if not the same as you would walk into a retail store today and buy a 3DS game, uh, it'll be maybe a little bit cheaper. I think that Nintendo's probably starting to adjust some of their pricing. We just did a, a story in the rundown not too long ago about um, a lot of big successful Nintendo games are now set at, uh, at lower price points. I mean, they have got to adjust for market conditions, and people can get excellent games for free, and uh, they know that. So we'll, 
they they have to come out with something really cool, uh, very open in terms of. Um, I, I, if the message for the NX is all the games that you bought for the 3DS store, the DS store, the Wii store, all of those games you can download today to your NX. Plus, here's what the new capabilities are. That's a pretty, that's a pretty compelling argument. You know that that is a pretty powerful collection of uh, of launch titles and launch features in something like that. So I think it's really important that they don't wipe the slate clean on past digital purchases. I think they need to say, we have updated our network strategy thanks to our partnerships and our new plans, but all of those purchases that you've made before will operate just fine on the new machine. And uh, and you can hook it up to your television and you can walk walk away with it. Um, and then there might be some interoperability or some functionality tied to mobile, um, maybe even those those Chrome box things or the Apple TV. Who the hell knows? Uh, but they, you know, they're 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 not afraid to take risks and be crazy and try things that are 100% different from the other guys. And you know that's cool. That's why I'm really excited about it. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah. It's from what's Spence? What's his last uh, name? I dot Spence. I dot Spence. Uh, the Return to Arkham Collection, man. They, I think what it is is they don't want it to come out with any bugs. I, th- I think they had enough shit go down with the Arkham Knight PC release that they don't want to deal with that ever again. So I think, uh, you know, probably some kind of bug report came back and they went, oh my god, let's just keep tuning this. I, I suspect it'll be out this year, though. It might be a good Halloween release. Um, yeah, I'd be psyched to play all those games on the new consoles. That'd be awesome. Uh, and that's mainly good for questions. Yeah, we we did all right. We talked for a long time. It's 4 o'clock already, guys. Go see Sausage Party. This has been a... Um, I hope everybody's been paying attention because I hated Suicide Squad. I know some of you guys did out there. Very disappointed by it. Very nervous about what the hell DC's got planned now. Like, Wonder Woman better be awesome. Uh, There's a scathing, you guys should look this up, there's a scathing letter, open letter from an ex-WB employee to Kevin Suzihara, or I think that's how you say it. He's the uh, the head of Warner Brothers, uh, talking about the the movies that he has uh, greenlit over the last little while, and Zack Snyder gets a lot of that, and all the layoffs that they've had to do to uh, deal with the fact that these things have been bombs and and uh, uh, anyways read the letter it's it's crazy uh, but Suicide Squad really disappointed me but I've seen a bunch of other movies since then uh, Hell or High Water which I don't think comes out until next week but the review's up already uh, Anthropoid excellent uh, it's a, a World War II mission it's something we've never seen before but it's really tense and well crafted good performances uh, kind of out of nowhere Really, really interesting movie. Pete's Dragon was actually really fun if you've got uh, kids. Uh, not too young because it's, it's a little tear jerkery and, and uh, tear jerky and scary. Uh, and then Sausage Party is awesome. So, uh, it, you know, I find it incredibly ironic that people have said that I, I hate everything. <laughs> Which has just been because I didn't like Star Trek or Ghostbusters or, or Suicide Squad or, or Jason Bourne. Uh, disappointed by all of those, but Hell or High Water, Anthropoid, 
Sausage Party and Peach Dragon have all been great. So summer's looking up, and uh, the games are getting good. Uh, next week, you might see uh, reviews of, um, uh, well, you, prob- you definitely will see a review of No Man's Sky, uh, and you will also see a review of the new Deus Ex game very soon. Thanks for watching, everybody.